broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Jar Levine Studios. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. He's passionate about it. He still is. I mean, that, that hasn't changed. I mean, it's not just in London. It's just wherever he goes. He carries with him Jaguars jerseys when, when, he, when he travels on business. And he's just he just loves the city. He does. He also feels that it has untapped potential. That is the voice of Jim Woodcock. He was a St. Louis guy. He's now become a little bit of a Jacksonville guy. Because one of his clients is Shad Khan, Jaguars owner. And that was on a recent podcast, the Ozone podcast with John Osher on Jaguars.com. And it goes back, a, 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 again, about 10 days uh, and we just haven't gotten to it because of everything else piling up and, and obviously a little Trevor Lawrence fever right now. But I did want to get to it and because I think it relates a little bit to the kind of the buzz in town of the quarterback stuff, you know, and, and a franchise QB. Now, whether that's Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, whoever, you know, we look at this offseason as a monumental offseason because – for the first time in Jags history, you have someone you can point to as the face of the franchise. Again, that was even before what happened with the Jets. Like, we had those conversations. Mm-hmm. Now, I believe that conversation almost hits, like, tenfold because of Trevor Lawrence. I, I feel like he's that much different. I, I hadn't given him a bunch of thought because I didn't think the Jets were going to win. As most people do. And, and so I didn't even let it entertain my mind. But now we go back into these discussions about Lot J, about downtown about potentially the stadium in the next three, five, ten years. And then we couple that with the way this organization looks from an attractive nature to candidates in the GM and head coaching roles with all the money, the young talent, the picks, and now, at least for the moment, a guy like Trevor Lawrence that could lead the way, be the face of the franchise. We could call it Trevor Town, which we've been having fun with a little bit. But you do that, and and the impact that could have – on other things in the city, I think um, is big. I really do. I, again, I, I always go back to where I've seen it happen. I've given you examples of, of my hometown city of Providence, Rhode Island, and how that changed when I went away to college. That wasn't influenced, by the way, by sports. That wasn't influenced by the Patriots' success or the Red Sox' success or anything like that. That was influenced by they wanted to revamp the city and then downtown. But I saw it change. Mm-hmm. And and you went from a city that was like, Ugh, to, oh, that's awesome. The restaurants are great, and I want to go to Providence. And I'm not just going to go to Rhode Island just to go to Newport. You know, mm-hmm. Now I'll go to downtown Providence, too. And, and you got the, the river, and you got the... The fire is on the water, whatever they do down there now, which I've still never even been. But um, that's what happened, in, at least in my hometown uh, of Providence, Rhode Island. I was from East Providence, but you get it. But up the road in Foxborough, Massachusetts, everything there happened because of the Patriots franchise. Mm-hmm. It happened because of their success. It, it's Patriot Place. It's a mall. There's a hospital there now. There's hotels there. There's restaurants, bowling alleys, theaters. You got it. It's a destination. Foxborough used to be just an awful place to go. It's one road in, one one road out, and that was it. Nobody went otherwise to watch a game, and the games were usually miserable because the Patriots stunk. Mm-hmm. Well, that is more comparable in the essence to Jacksonville. Not a lot of people go to downtown Jacksonville. And by the way, downtown Jacksonville is way better than Foxborough, <laughs> Massachusetts, uh, at its worst and probably even at its best. Sure. But the point is the same. And at this this time frame when they were rebuilding the stadium for the New England Patriots, 
and doing this Patriot place, well, it coincided with a guy named Bill Belichick and Tom Brady and a lot of success in the early years. This didn't. This wasn't like a 15, 20-year thing, but over this handful of years, the success came, the stardom of Brady came, the Bill Belichick stardom also happened while all this was going on. Mm-hmm. And I've said it for years around here, and now that this is closer to coming to fruition downtown, that if you can couple the idea of building stuff, stadium, lot J, etc., with success of the football team, well, that's like the perfect marriage. Yeah. And so that's why I think this there's some relevance here to at least the hope that now exists with the idea of getting Trevor Lawrence, that things are going to flip around and turn around in Jacksonville. So as as that kind of as a backdrop, and we're going to hear a little bit more from what uh, Jim Woodcock said in that podcast. You can check it out in its entirety on Jaguars.com. But the... Idea of a franchise quarterback coming to a city, what would Trevor Lawrence do? Before Trevor Lawrence thought of this week, what would Justin Fields do? What do you think in terms of elevating the buzz in the city, the feel of the city, that one player could do? Not just for the franchise, but for the people. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, listen, we saw with Gardner Minshew last year, there was a buzz in the city. Now you enter Trevor Lawrence, and it's going to be amplified by at least times 10. So there's not a doubt that getting a guy like Trevor Lawrence is only going to benefit the city. Now, in terms of, you know, building up Lot J and all that stuff, like, to me, I would be excited to get Trevor Lawrence because it gives you the better chance to win. And I think, like, with the fan base right now, that's where they're at in terms of the whole Lot J thing, the whole playing two games in London thing. It's like, I think fans feel like, listen, you guys haven't produced on the field, so you're not getting a fair shake right now of what we could be, of what the hype could be, of what the how great downtown could be, because halfway through the season, fans are fed up with going to the games, right? They're, they're, there's no intrigue. There's, there's no hope. So when you bring in Trevor Lawrence, if you get him, and there is that hope, obviously, he's going to turn out to be good. Now, let's assume that he turns out to be uh, the next big thing at the quarterback position. Well, then you're winning football games. And if you're winning football games, then you bring the people. Like, you saw what happened back in 2017 of how hyped up this city was, right? Because they're cheering for a winner. When you, It's hard to cheer for a loser year after year after year. And in terms of adding the lot, Jay, in terms of, you know, maybe playing one home game here in Jack, whatever the case may be, like, that gives you a fair observation. That gives you, a, like, a fair testing of what these fans can bring to the city is when you start winning football games. I don't think it's fair to say, well, the fans aren't coming out to support when you keep losing year after year after year. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, it, it's everybody's got tired of the losing. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I don't think even the Jags organization hides that. They understand that. But I just think this one, with everything else going on, and by the way, the vote for Lot J is going to happen, I think, in early January. I want to say it's like January 7th. Mm-hmm. And the more people I talk to, that thing's going to pass. It's going to get through. Uh, so it, there's opposition. There's criticism for it. That, that happens. I mean, they're talking about taxpayer dollars, everything. Um, I haven't been shy about my thoughts on it. I'd like to see uh, downtown Jacksonville developed uh, again. I respect the other side. I respect, you know, the points of view. I'm just telling you, I, I would like to see it um, start and, and, and happen. And I think there, there's a lot to like about it down the road. Man, if you could couple that with winning as well, because that's what, what it has to be. It's simple as that. What, well, what I've said in the past is I think there are four groups of people uh, that uh, that maybe fit in a column 
when it comes to downtown development, Lot J stuff, everything else. Mm-hmm. There's people that say, yeah, man, let's do it. We've got a great city. We've got a fast-growing city. We've got a river down there. I mean, what needs to be a better downtown. I think there's that group of people. I don't know how many people are in that group, but I just think there's that group of people. I think there's also a group of people that say, what do I always say, Birmingham or Charlotte? Yeah. I, I don't mind being Birmingham. I don't mind being old-school Jacksonville. Old, the, the, I think there's folks in here that like, want Jacksonville the way it's been. Uh, I don't agree with that method, but that, I think there are people in that category, whether they want to admit it or not. Yeah. I also think there are people that after the JEA stuff with the mayor and, and everything else that unfolded there, I think there's a bit of a lack of trust in downtown Jacksonville, which I think also right now it does happen anyway in politics across the country and cities across the country. But I do think that exists mm-hmm. on the heels of everything that happened. And then I think there is this group and it might even be a big group or the biggest group that says, how can I support something when all I've seen is losing on the football field? How can I support Shad Khan if all I keep seeing is two and fourteen and three and thirteen and not enough wins and and I do hear the London talk and I hear this stuff. Mm-hmm. How could I do that? You know, and so I think every I, I think there actually is this this portion of people that are so fed up with the L's mm-hmm. that they're just they tune out anything else that that even Shot Khan wants to do, uh, even if he's throwing some of his own money and has a vision for it, anything else. So for those people getting Trevor Lawrence, mm-hmm. starting to turn this thing around and win and win consistently, oof, they might give 500 million in taxpayer money. No, <laughs> you no know? for sure. I mean, and by the way, whatever happens with Lot J, the next thing on the horizon is going to be at some point the stadium. Yeah. And so I do think. A guy like Trevor Lawrence, or if it's Justin Fields or wherever else, if they are the catalyst to turning this thing around, well, you're talking about a player that could have sparked the building of downtown in essence. You know, yeah. I, it sounds dramatic. I get it. But that's what we're talking about. So this the success of this football team can, because Shad Khan is in the middle of all this and has the vision of downtown, It's just, the success of this football team certainly can impact. Yeah. You know, how you know, fast that stuff gets done and what exactly gets done. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, I'm not excited for Trevor Lawrence to come to Jacksonville because he's got long hair, so you can get, like, a new head and shoulders endorsement, and, like, that's <laughs> going to put Jacksonville on the map. And I'm not, I mean, like, that's great for him. Get your money, man, as you should. But, like, I don't necessarily really care about the whole branding part. Or even, you know, I'll tell you the truth, I don't even care about the big wigs talking about Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars. And by, by big wigs, I mean, you know, the, the, the national media. I, I really don't care about that. Like, what I care about, though, is I think that there's a guy in Trevor Lawrence that can come in here and win football games. And when you have an organization, more, more specifically management, that talks about viability, 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 well, now you're bringing in a guy that can actually give you the, the, you know, the, the true litmus test of a fan. To say, okay, if we're winning games, what's the turnout look like? If we're winning games, what does the revenue look like? And then you can make just decisions from there. If Trevor Lawrence, if we already knew, if the Jags had locked it up, how many 16 jerseys would be, would Santa be bringing? Oh, a lot, man. I mean, the guy's the future, of course. Yeah. I, I remember even like when they got Blaine Garrett, there was a bunch of Blaine Garrett jerseys going on. Has anybody gotten a Trevor tattoo yet? <laughs> Oof. That's the, Hardcore. That yeah. seems like something That's usually that like a there. news story, right? Yeah. And then the Jags go win a game. And, yeah, yeah, you're right. I have not. I have yeah. not. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. So I'm not doing that. 
Maybe sing a Trevor Lawrence Christmas Carol, but not go. getting a tattoo. Well, that, that, you almost broke your neck in a uh, Buffalo Wild Wings. As well. I did. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm not doing that so anymore you're, So you're pretty hardcore. Uh, we don't have to. Well, we could root for the Jets one more time. I mean, you know, the magic numbers too. <laughs> pretty hardcore, man. I'm just, I'm just waiting for the day when you know Jets media comes at us. We get to go to war with Jets media. That'll be fun. Yeah, there's some good stuff coming out of there. Yeah. Um, if we only talked about it. The. <laughs> We can. Ah, that's what I mean. We will. We yeah, will yeah. want to build up a little more angst. All right. Uh, amongst the uh, New York media. I feel like it's there. Or, right. or you could pull the clips. Oh, there's what? a lot of dead air. Pull the, pull the clips. What are the clips? <laughs> of all the negativity oh, coming from New York. Yeah, man. man you, <laughs> I played one for so, you yesterday. Yeah, you did. I don't know where that's coming from. Like, I haven't typed in Jacksonville negativity. That's what it is. Okay. Uh, how? Who has been the most popular jersey in Jacksonville. I'm Ray Jones Drew, I would say. It's a good call because, like, if you split them up, like Brunel and Jimmy Smith and Baselli yeah. and Fred, uh, and then I would, during that time frame, yeah, like, hey, listen, Gerard sold jerseys. You know, you, you would have other players, mm-hmm. but yeah, Mojo over that course of time, because there was a little bit of lack of star power along while he was. I think so well. Yeah, I think from a fantasy football factor, I think from, you know, obviously he got the rushing title uh, that one year. And, you know, just the, the, the type of guy that he was with his personality and everything like that, um, his story, I think that, you know, people were drawn towards that. So I would definitely say Mojo. Yeah, uh, I think that's a pretty good call. Um, you know, we never know how many would they have sold if Tebow ended up here. Unlimited. I mean, they they couldn't print them fast enough, apparently, because every time I went out to, you know, a local establishment, hey, is Tebow coming to Jacksonville? Is Tebow? Nah, man, I don't think so. Uh, would they sell more if Tebow had come or Trevor Lawrence ends up here? That I have no idea, man. Um, I mean, it's, it's it's a different thing. I would Like, if they came out the same year, you talking about? Or nah, just, just now versus yeah. then. Probably think, Trevor, probably I, I Trevor think, Lawrence. I think Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. I think actually Tebow was kind of polarizing yeah. to that degree. There was yeah. a section of people that, like, even now, like, Brent, I can't believe you just brought up Tim Tebow's name. Yeah, I know, you can't right. mention Tim Tebow's name. Yeah. Like, there is that section of, of Jags kind of fan. That's kind of what I'm thinking right now. Right. Yeah. Oh, like you. Yeah, That's yeah. you. That's me. That's like 30-year-old Jags fan. That's yeah. like, gets scared by Tim Tebow's name. I mean, I, I can't I, handle dude, it. They're I mean, soft. I can't handle it. I, well, I mean... Well, it's reality. It's like it's a fair question. Like, how many would he have sold? I mean, that sure. was a real thing, you yeah. know. And hey. and Trevor Lawrence is that too. You hey, know? Trevor but, Lawrence, but, all I'm saying is you better get it higher than a 23 on the Wonderlic test, <laughs> or I'm going to let you know about it too. Just like I let Tim Tebow know about it. Hey, Coos, uh, one more thought from Jim Woodcock from that uh, Ozone podcast. It was on again. I thought it was interesting because I know the story of of we've covered Shotcon and we've I know Jim Woodcock and I hadn't heard all of this in the in terms of the background of. Shod his short little dance with the St. Louis Rams at the time, mm-hmm. and then ended up coming over to uh, and and purchasing Jacksonville uh, from uh, Wayne Weaver. So it, it was an interesting little history lesson in there. And John does a nice job uh, with Jim Woodcock there. But I think also this is when you go around. Like I say, Patriot Place a lot. And to be honest with you, Patriot Place is not like the epitome of a downtown like i wouldn't say like oh i hope jacksonville looks like if they do build lot j they build up downtown i hope it looks like patriot place patriot place a cool place but i don't know if it's like whoa like the battery in atlanta what they've done around that new stadium is really cool i haven't been to st louis and what they have i think they have uh, another one in kansas city the gas is it the gas lamp district in san diego no no well it's the gas line district in kansas city yeah then there's like the gas lamp district of san diego yeah yeah yeah. so those kind of feels right i mean gas lamp district 
atmosphere a little different in San Diego, but yeah. it, it's still like kind of what I envision as the bar scene, you yeah. know, the there's stuff going on type of scene. I've been to both St. Louis and Patriots. Place. Oh, you've been to St. Yeah. Louis? Yeah, both are really cool. Like to me, Patriots Place is more like if the town center was right next to the stadium. That's a good call. Almost. Mm-hmm. And then St. Louis was more like it's an actual like almost like <laughs> I don't even know how to put it. You just like built buildings right up on the baseball stadium, and then there's just, like, a bunch of, like, uh, bars and everything inside it. Yeah, so it's and I've like seen the shots. Remember it. when the St. Louis Blues won? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Remember yeah. when all the fans would gather? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what I recall from it. It was, like, it was that. Yeah, like, yeah. that. That was, that's where it was. Like, that was the image. And so that's kind of what I have in my mind, too. Uh, but I think Jim tries to paint a picture of what it might look like here uh, in this part of the podcast with John. So, like, we're not, in St. Louis, we're not a significant college football market uh uh you know we love it but not like like jacksonville loves its college football i, I can just imagine forget about the georgia florida game which in and of itself will, right. that, that'll that'll be unbelievable but but just every college football saturday this development will become something that you couldn't have imagined having lived without until you actually have it and you'll wonder why why it took so long i really believe that because it, you know that that people will come from from with with all the different opportunities to watch and enjoy yourself down there with other with other activities in and around the games uh and again like the, here in st louis we know we have concerts uh there there at our at our development or ballpark village and 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 in fact what what i often do uh when possible is if we have big announcements like press conferences for Major League Soccer and the net men's and then women's national soccer teams when they come to St. Louis, we actually have right. those events at Ballpark Village in the live venue. And let and not only let, we encourage fans to come, you know, to to, to celebrate these announcements. And, and that and and they become parties. That's Jim Woodcock talking to John Osier, the Ozone Podcast, Jaguars.com, and, and everywhere you can find the podcasts, of course. Because uh, you know all those places, Spotify and, and all the rest, where we put our podcasts, the Action Sports Jacks, oh, yeah. on ESPN 690 uh, podcast. But I thought it was, the whole thing was pretty interesting. And, yes, like I had somebody say, let's see, uh, I think it was Real MVB, which we appreciate. He listens to the show. Um, he says, Shad's mouthpiece in terms of Jim Woodcock. I said, well, yes, he is Shad's right-hand man in that sense. Uh, you know, Shad's a client. Mm. Uh, so I would say, okay, that's fair enough. But do we talk – one thing I say, do we talk about this whole project from Shad's point of view very often? And that's where I think uh, – John did a good job with that that podcast because it comes from that point of view. Nobody's asking that. Everybody's saying, well, he's not winning enough games or how much money in taxpayer dollars and all that stuff. Yeah. I don't know if we're hearing that side of the story. And Like, okay, why does Shad want to put $250 million of his own money in? You know, yeah. like I don't feel like I've heard that part of the story enough. I think I have a decent idea, mm-hmm. but I don't feel it. And that's why I, I, I was interested in this podcast more than anything. I thought it was pretty good. So uh, anyway, check it out. Shameless plug. My gosh, I can't say John Osher's name more than I just did. Man. Jaguars.com. You're welcome. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but I, th- I thought plugs. it was pretty good. So, yeah, free plugs for you. Um, no oh. doubt about it. So. Uh, we'll see what happens. January something, 7th, I think it is, is uh, is the Lot J vote. And before that, the momentum in the city, by then we'll know if it's Trevor Lawrence. We'll know if it's the number one pick, the number two pick. And the, how those worlds collide, I'm telling you, I think it's significant. I think it's significant in terms yeah. of a franchise quarterback, not just Trevor Lawrence, but a franchise quarterback and how that gets married potentially to everything else going on. I will say this, right? The ticket sale boost with a franchise quarterback, but especially Trevor Lawrence, like the business side of the Jags, 
has to be doing cartwheels for the moment. Oh, absolutely. I, yeah. I, I would imagine they're yeah, I mean, keeping yeah, their fingers crossed for the next two Sundays, too, but their cartwheels going on in that business yeah, side. Well, without a doubt. I mean, I think people are going to tune in to watch Trevor Lawrence's rookie year. So if that means more primetime games, kind of like the Johnny Manziel effect a little bit, good then call. absolutely, man. Uh, that's a very good call. You know, and a lot more exposure because you know they're going to camp out like a NFL Network yeah. reporter or ESPN reporter. I can't wait till next year, man. Thursday night football, Jaguars, Titans. Get your tickets now. <laughs> it's going to be and awesome. We'll get a Monday night game, a Sunday night game. This year, it played on every single day. Uh, it's going to be Thursday night. I have a feeling. I'm Shout not done with this Network. topic. Not done with this topic. We got a half hour to go before the holiday. We are going to go to Cincinnati because I want an example. Maybe I'm lying. Maybe I'm making it up. Maybe it's not real. <laughs> How much has Joe Burrow changed their city? And the feel of it. We think he's changed their franchise. Couldn't we get, like, LeBron James on for this question or not? That'd have been cool. Did you got his number? He's busy. Well, he's uh, okay. curb stomped by the Clippers. Hey, if we do something really good, he'll retweet us at the very least. It's a good point. <laughs> talking about cool, we'll talk about Cincinnati. It's right next door to Cleveland. It's all good. <laughs> we, 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 you can get a Browns guy on here talking about Baker Mayfield. Because you know LeBron's going to see that. I don't feel like Mayfield's done to their city what Burrow is doing to Cincinnati. Yeah, but if it means LeBron James retweeting us, then so be it. It's a good call, though. Why hasn't Mayfield done that to Cleveland? Or maybe he hasn't. I'm just not seeing it. We'll talk about yeah. it next on ESPN 6-9. Brent Martineau. But, man, when you hit, what is that button? You used to hit, like, the X button to, to accelerate? Austin Lane. I haven't played Madden in, like, ten years. Sorry, uh, we, sorry we let you down there. Uh, that was a major letdown. Yeah. I mean, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Well, it's been a challenge all year, and really it's up to the quarterbacks now to understand that uh, if you're dressed out, you are supposed to be ready to play. So we have to get both of them ready to play. Uh, we'll see how Gardner's throwing. We'll see how Mike's throwing. And, and I think Coach Marone will make that determination Friday or Saturday. So um, those guys have been great as far as uh, mentally getting themselves ready to play. Physically, us adhering to the individual has been quite the challenge, but uh, all these plays should be good for both of them, we hope. i tell you what, what a tough job Jay Gruden has had. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Man. He doesn't know whose quarterback's going to be on Sunday. Yeah. How much input do you think he has more uh, as, he ha- with Doug? He has to have the input. I mean, he really does because he's the guy that's calling offensive plays, right? And if you're calling the plays, more than likely you got a guy that you prefer, right? So... When you're putting together the game plan, you're putting together the game script, you have a great idea of who you want in there. So I'm sure that Doug uh, confides in him a lot, let's just say. We're going to go to Cincinnati right now. And speaking of a little Jay Gruden mentioned, Cincinnati. Yeah, a little uh, wildcat back in the day. Yeah, a lot of stuff. Listen, I think Jay Gruden's done a good job in the role that he did a good job in in Cincinnati. Yeah. He's a good offensive coordinator. I don't think they're going to keep anybody. Uh, but I, I mean, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to keep Jay Gruden around here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at the end of the year, I, I think he's done a nice job in a tough year with, heck, the QB carousel in, in full tilt. Uh, we're gonna go to Cincinnati right now, though. Rick Broering is joining us. He's joined us before on the show. We appreciate him uh, jumping on. You can check out, uh, I think it's called the Skinny Podcast. So make sure you check it out with Rick. What's happening, man? Happy holidays. Hey, same to you guys. Thanks for having me back on. Yeah, no problem. I know you just get finished with a with a hoop game, Xavier Creighton. I mean, hoops, you hoops crazy up there right now. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, in this area, you've got Xavier, Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky, Dayton, Miami of Ohio, Kentucky, Louisville, Indiana, Butler, all <laughs> within the tri-state area. Uh, you know, two hours at most for any of those schools. So it's it's big time college hoops 
I know it. Right uh, it's it's pretty cool too. So many good programs in in such a, a little area geographically. Um, if you draw a circle around it, how mad are people? I, I know I didn't bring you on for this, but how mad are people uh, with the Cincinnati Bearcats program the, of how it finished in terms of the rankings? Oh, <laughs> extraordinarily, as you can imagine. I mean, you talk about a. a City and you know, Grant. When it comes to college stuff, it's it's a little more divided around here. Like, not every Bengals fan is necessarily a Cincinnati Bearcats fan. There's a lot of Notre Dame fans and uh, Ohio State fans, so it's a little divided around here. But yeah, the fans that are are UC fans are absolutely livid, and you know, it just. It's added more fuel to the fire of we needed to be out of the AAC a long time ago. <laughs> Rick Boring with us uh, here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Brent Martin along with Austin Lane. And the reason I asked Rick to come on is we are obviously on Trevor Lawrence watch. And with the Jets win last week, Jags now control that number one pick. We'll see what happens. And we're going to enjoy every moment of it around here just in case the Jaguars mess it up and win a game. So... What we want to know, Rick, is how much of an impact. We saw Joe Burrow play. We saw uh, what looks to be a good young quarterback play. Uh, it didn't materialize into wins for Cincinnati before he got hurt. But you can tell he's going to be pretty good. Uh, what did he do for the city, though? That's a city that hasn't won playoff games in forever. It got a little stale, it feels like, with Marvin Lewis and, and the Bengals. What has the city felt like since they drafted Joe Burrow? And they knew they were going to draft Joe Burrow. Well, look, I would just tell Jackson, Jacksonville fans to get ready. You're entering the best part of being a really bad football franchise right now. This was the best six to 12 months of being a Bengals fan in the last decade probably was the lead up to knowing that they couldn't screw up the number one draft pick of drafting Joe Burrow and acquiring a really good quarterback finally. And uh, it worked out, it played out. And then, you know, the, the preseason was awesome. He, he was living up to the billing. And as the season started, it was pretty clear right away that he was the real deal. So, I mean, that was fantastic. And like you said, they weren't winning any games. But honestly, it was the happiest the Bengals fan base has been in a long time and the most energized it had been in a long time. And, you know, you're right, it wasn't necessarily equating to wins in terms of their overall record. But at the same time, like, as he was starting to figure it out, they did beat the Titans in November, and they were starting to turn that corner. He played really well against the Browns, threw for over 400 yards and three touchdowns. Like, you know, it was – I'm not sure that they were going to win a whole lot of games this year, especially with a lot of the injuries they had and Joe Mixon going down. But they were definitely getting better as an offense. Rick, I want to go back to 2019 because it was an interesting time. Um, during the preseason, no one was talking about Joe Burrow yet. Like, we weren't really sure what he was capable of. And at that same time, you had a brand-new coach. You had a roster that was kind of meh, let's be honest. So I don't think expectations were really high for Bengals fans that year. Well, you guys win two games. Joe Burrow does his thing, wins a national championship, has all the hype around him, the Heisman Trophy, all that stuff. Was there ever a feeling or ever, like, an inkling to feel like, you know what? What happens if Burrow doesn't want to come to Cincinnati? Like, were, like was there always a, the, the, the faith that he was going to come there no matter what? Or was there kind of just a little bit of a doubt where it was like, man, we're such a mess right now, maybe he doesn't want to come here? No, I, you know, I, there never really was. And the only reason I can think that might have been is just because his he's from Ohio, his family's mm -hmm. from Ohio, and mm -hmm. I think there was enough known about 
who he was character-wise and who his family was and just kind of humble, you know, Midwestern people that they didn't, I don't think anyone expected that there would be that possibility with him. So uh, that never really came up with the Bengals. It was always known, like, this is the guy, as long as they get the number one pick. It became very obvious they were going to get the number one pick. And, you know, Joe, uh, there was, like, one comment Joe made where he said something about, like, you know, you'd like to control your own destiny with where you end up or something like that, and people got a little nervous for, like, a day. But he followed up, like, the very next day saying it'd be an honor to go as the number one pick and play in Cincinnati and all that stuff. So it was pretty quickly addressed, and I don't think there were any real concerns ever. Well, and you guys were kind of an interesting spot, too, because you shared, you know, around that time towards the back end of the season, you had the Detroit Lions, uh, you know, you had the Washington football team, you had the New York Giants, but they were always kind of set at quarterback. So my question to you like when you're watching this whole thing unfold, when did you know that you know what Joe Burrow is going to be the guy going forward? Like when did you have I guess Joe Burrow fever? So for me, I would say it was a lot later than everybody else. For me, it was literally the college football playoff, and I'll, I'll, there are a few reasons why. Um, the biggest being that going into the year. I was not sold on Joe Burrow as a prospect. I didn't think he had the arm that like a Trevor Lawrence and a Justin Fields do. He wasn't the athlete those guys were. I just was, and the Bengals had so many holes at that point that I was of the opinion of the opinion of, look, their pass rush is a disaster. Their pass protection is a disaster. You can't win without either of those things in the NFL. I would be okay with them taking Chase Young early in this draft knowing they're still going to be trash the next year and probably draft high and hope you can either trade up or still be in a position to tank and get Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields a year later. So I was always of the opinion that might be the better route for the Bengals until we saw Joe Burrow do what Joe Burrow did those final weeks of that season. And, I mean, at that point there was just no doubt about it. You couldn't pass up on that guy because he put on a display the likes of which we've never really seen. Rick Brewing with us here on Action Sports Chats on ESPN 690. I'm going to let you go. i got two more for you. How many jerseys, number nine jerseys, are walking around in Cincinnati uh, in the last year? I mean, is it just everywhere you look? Uh, am I being overdramatic? Uh, can you, like, I'm trying to capture the sense of, man, th- this is like our savior guy. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's, he's, he's going to change the franchise around. Everybody buys jerseys, quarterbacks, of course. But did, sure did it, AJ Green's probably got some jerseys. AJ out Green, there, obviously, yeah. yeah. But does it? I mean, is that uh, noticeable? Was it noticeable to your eye in that area? Uh, yeah, and I, I can't remember the exact figure, but I know at one point he was up in the top jersey sellers in the entire NFL. So I mean, it's it, you know, it was you see a ton of them. And here's the great thing for the you know fans who don't have as much money or don't like spending their money. Carson Palmer wasn't here that long ago. You just slap a little duct tape over the nameplate, and you got yourself a new Joe Burrow jersey, number nine. It's good to go. Yeah, we got to do that. I think Denard Robinson maybe the last that I remember yeah. to wear number 16, although somebody's probably wearing it right now. Jacks have gone through 79 players yeah, yeah. Uh, here in 2020. Uh, all right, uh, last question. Now that you've seen him play, is there a feeling that this guy is it? This guy, you had that feeling a little bit with Carson Palmer. I'm sure at moments there might have even been a little bit of that feeling with Andy Dalton. But is there a feeling that this guy is going to win us a Super Bowl? This guy is going to make us good each year that we line up on the football field? I would he's definitely that guy. I mean, I, I, no, I don't know about all the things you went on to mention, but like to answer your initial question, everyone believes he is the guy and the Bengals got it right and he is going to be a superstar. 
The problem is, in Cincinnati, we still realize that the Brown family is in charge of the franchise, and Duke Tobin is in charge of talent evaluation, and there's still not a lot of faith that they're going to put all the other pieces around them to form a championship team. So uh, do we think they are moving towards being competitive? Sure. Is Joe Burrow, you know, the the beacon of hope and what everyone hopes to be the savior? Of course. But, you know, I I still think there are some doubts about whether he'll actually lead the Bengals to a Super Bowl or if the Bengals will ever win a Super Bowl. (laughs) Check it out. Rick Boring on the Skinny Podcast. Uh, You can see him there, hear him there. Hey, man, we appreciate you taking time. I know you had a busy day. Thanks for jumping in last minute and uh, make sure you have happy holidays. Yeah, Brent, Austin, you guys too. Thanks for having me on. You bet. Thanks, uh, that's Rick Boring. Uh, we've had him on a couple of times now. Very good. Uh, I didn't want to keep him any longer, but heck, you could even ask him. It's amazing the tie right now with Cincinnati. Right? We were talking about Jay Gruden earlier. Yeah. The idea of maybe getting that, that franchise changing quarterback and heck, Marvin Lewis was there. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I wonder. I just don't think Marvin Lewis would excite people here. I think he would win games. Yeah. Um, but I. I wouldn't have like, you know, you get excited about the idea of winning it all. Marvin Lewis wouldn't do that for anybody because he proved that he couldn't do that. Yeah, you know, he could win games and that's baby steps. That's important, too. Yeah. But like Trevor Lawrence, the reason why people are excited is that guy can take us to the promised land. Absolutely. You get a guy that's unproven. You can at least hope that that guy can be the next Sean McVay, Bill yeah. Belichick, whatever. Yeah. A little hard to do with a guy with Marvin Lewis. That's why I didn't really love the idea of Ron Rivera necessarily, even though he had gone to a Super Bowl. Yeah, but the promised land. Yeah. yeah. But it's just uh, not enough of it, I guess, for me when you already know their resume. Sometimes the blind resume is better. No, without a doubt. Like, Listen, the reason why I liked Ron Rivera so much, though, is because he is the culture builder. And listen, a head coach is always tied to the quarterback play. And for a while, Cam Newton, yes, he's playing an MVP caliber, and then he kind of fell off a little bit, and that was tied to Ron Rivera. I think we're seeing Ron Rivera now in Washington has some pretty good success with a team, let's be honest, with whose personnel isn't really all that much. Nah, he's doing a fantastic job, no doubt about that. All right, we got one more break to take before the Christmas holiday, everybody. A little NBA chatter. What the heck is going on with James Harden now? And a game gets canceled. Before their season even starts. What's that all about? Just happened. Next on ESPN 690. Yeah, I think that's what I addressed with them today, you know, because I had gotten those questions, you know, on, on Monday, you know, and, and I, and, and to say I don't understand that I can, I mean, you know, like I said before, when I was growing up, I mean, I was a, a Detroit Lions fan. You know, the NFL draft to me is bigger than any other draft, really, right? I mean, obviously growing up a baseball fan, it's, I don't know, at least 100,000 rounds in baseball, right? I mean, so that was never big, and that person had to go through the farm system. And then as, uh, you know, and I was thinking about it after we got off the call on Monday, I was like, man, I was rooting for it because I wanted the, 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 the excuse me, the Lions to draft Billy Sims, you know, in 1980. And, uh you know, when I got the first pick, I was all fired up, you know, because I knew, you know, they'd, they'd take Billy Sims. And I started thinking to myself, you know, there I was as a kid. I never took into play, you know, what those coaches and players on that team, you know what I'm saying, must be feeling. You go ahead. I had a question, though. That was that was a more perspective from Doug Marone. I, I don't think it's come out until today that the fact that he was a Lions fan, I didn't know that. Hey man, why are you a Lions fan? I didn't, we didn't ask. I don't think Look, that ever got asked. All those ice cream flavors you can choose from, all those great football teams, and you choose Brussels sprouts. You choose the Detroit Lions. Come on, man. Gross. That's cool. Come on, man. It's well, the Lions. 
I know, but that, what? I mean, what kid is they the got family? excited. He's from New York, right? Yeah. I know. I don't, I, it's odd. It is a little odd. I don't think anybody Sorry, asked him that? after why. And, and, and maybe I've just missed it over time yeah. and didn't know that. I'm going to be honest. If I'm Shad Khan and I'm interviewing a coach and I say, all right, you're from New York. Who's your favorite team growing up? And he says, Lions. Hey, giant red flag. I'm drawing a, a giant red flag on the resume. And be like, all right. That's what happened. We're, we're going to call you back later. We'll they see. Yeah, we'll call you tomorrow. So basically what you're saying is maybe Gus Bradley was a Lions fan too. I have your information. <laughs> I'll get back to you. Good day, sir. <laughs> Next. I have your information. Next. Thank you. Thank you. No, no, no. It's, it's fine. I understand. Yeah. Uh, it's three, four defense, four, three, whatever. I understand. Offensive line. That's fine. I'll, I'll call you. Thank you. Uh, that was Doug Marone again. And I'm, I'm not going to repeat myself. I said on social media, he's handled it very well. People said, that's because we ask soft questions. If you don't yell and you're not angry guy and antagonistic guy, mm-hmm. like, like, that's why the Boston, New York media get like their reputation because they're like angry guy, always mad about something and barking it. Yet if you listen to the question, the questions are not any different. That was my point today on social media. But either way, Doug Marone, I think, has handled it very well. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was great insight on the Billy Sims. I went back and looked up Billy Sims, and you know that he turned them around. He went to the Pro Bowl three out of four years. He had a short career because of a leg injury. But he turned them around as the number one pick. And, and that, that was a franchise. By the way, Billy Sims, they had two winning seasons, I believe, with him. Oh, he played for four. And that was the only winning seasons that franchise had between 1973 and 1991. Yeah, and so that's how much he did turn them Oof. around. Now, yeah. one of those was a strike-shortened year too that they went four and five, so they didn't even finish the year. But I think he made the Pro Bowl that season, so that was fascinating. But but that's that's how much Doug gets it. Mm-hmm. Like that's what it did for the team that he rooted for at the time. That's what he kind of gets out there. But it's interesting that they're talking about it. Like, what but, do, you, do you think that's because he mentioned it in the locker room? Like oh, he said, yeah. "Hey, they're talking about this." Is that common? Oh yeah, I mean, listen, like. It would be weird if you didn't talk about it. It would be. Yeah, because then, like, you're, you're shutting off the outside world like it's not happening. Like, that that's weird behavior. So, of course, you're talking about it. Okay. I mean, yeah, they, they, they watch TV. They know what's up. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know. They, they listen, see you I've breaking asked, your neck in, in the middle of Buffalo Wild Wings. I, I, I know what's going on here. I've asked a lot of players over the years. They told me they don't read the paper. They don't watch TV. They just stay off social media. Brent, that, I mean, that's what they told me. Brent, okay. Yeah, have you seen players on Twitter and everything get defensive sometimes over an article? Come on, man. Of course they're watching. Of course they're listening. All right. Don't fall for that. Coos? How do you think that conversation went about Brent, by the way, in the locker room? <laughs> <laughs> see what see a, that dude sing that Christmas song last night? What a night? clown. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I can't wait to go back to the locker rooms, right? I can't wait next year when we're allowed back in the locker rooms. Now, I'm not really allowed. I come, I kind of come and go as I please, whatever. But you better believe day one, I'm going to be in the corner just in case. <laughs> just in case Brett Martin is a little backup. I, I'm be like his bodyguard from the corner. I'm be like, oh, nope, nope. Here it goes. I, I can see it happening, right? Because I have that, uh, what, what do you call that when you have like a, you can see the future a little bit. It's like the sixth sense. Kind of the sixth sense, but I have Intuition. intuition. I have the intuition when a fight's going to go down. So I'm being the corner man. And if someone tries to come at you, I got you, man. I'm like uh, Kevin Costner in The Bodyguard. I got you. Uh, thank you. Jan is, but, but Jan I'm, is I'm gone. not going to hold you and carry you outside the door Jan's like gone. he did to Whitney Houston. <laughs> yeah, Jan is gone. Miles Jack's still there. Miles Jack's still there. Has Miles Jack's been direct messaging you Miles saying, Jack's what the hell there. is Brett hey, talking about? Hey, he said, you better handle your boy. You better watch your boy. <laughs> Miles does had he used to watch. I don't know if he still does watch. <laughs> if he saw that, apologies to Miles. Yeah. Brent's out here making some enemies, man. I like it. Uh, um, uh, they 
they they usually get it. We'll see if they get it when we go back in the locker room. <laughs> I can't wait. Lot. Hey, if I have to give you a Super Bowl matchup right now, yeah, you got two weeks to go in the regular season. Pittsburgh. Now, if I asked this a few weeks ago, right, you could have said Pittsburgh, and I, again, we said they might not have been the dominant team anyway, but. Now they're reeling. Like, nobody's going to say Pittsburgh right now. Yeah. Kansas City is, is the number one seed, and mm-hmm. so that's changed since the last time maybe we would have had this conversation. Oh, come on. I've always had Kansas City. Uh, you have anyway, but I I'm just saying now they have the home field, although does that even matter that Thousand. much this year? Now we have Patrick Mahomes. doesn't matter. So who is going to the Super Bowl if you had to put your house on it right now? Brent, listen, man. Like, I don't flip-flop. I... I remember where I come from, okay? And when we did our preseason predictions, I had the Chiefs and the Saints, and you know what? So you're sticking with the Saints. Now, Drew Brees, step your game up, all right? Drew Brees, I know those ribs are hurting. Step your game up, though, right? And give the ball to Alvin Kamara even more. Michael Thomas, I mean, I don't know what you're doing, so whatever. You know, I mean, we saw what happened with Brent's fantasy football team with that. Give me the Chiefs and the Saints. I'm not going to flip-flop now. I've come this far. You know, I have the I have the Colts. And the Saints, yeah. I, I don't. If I had to, I don't know if I still believe that, mm. right? I would. I still don't think Kansas City's making it to the Super Bowl again. Yeah, I think somebody's going to get them, and I believe Buffalo might be that team. You got to remember, they got all that that connection with their city and that that town is is strong. Mm-hmm. That buoys them. They they're playing for something bigger than just kind of like another playoff game, even though that's already big enough. Yeah. And I would keep an eye on. Now, Green Bay could be, you could write Green Bay, and I wouldn't have done that earlier in the year. Keep an eye on the Bucks. And the reason I Oof. say the Bucks, here's why I say the Bucks, is because they have not hit a stride at all. Yeah. Like, they have not hit a point in the season because where they're like, strideless. Wait, they're, they're rocking and rolling. And maybe they are strideless. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, hey, which game was canceled? The NBA? Coos. Rockets. Rockets. Thunder. Thunder. Because not enough players, right, for the Rockets? Yeah, I think you need to have a minimum of eight people. About James Harden. James man. Harden hanging out. Listen, hey, for the record, though, James Harden did not go to a strip club. He went to a non-social distancing Christmas party that didn't have masks, and it featured strippers. Okay? So you didn't, you didn't go to a strip club. It was more like a strip gathering of strippers. Okay? So. <laughs> So if you're not cultured enough to know the difference, that's on you. Hey, Coos uh, and Austin and everyone else out there, Merry yeah. Christmas. Merry Christmas, man. I think Live Local Loud's coming up next. We have some bowl games as well. Keep it locked on ESPN 690. I'll see you on Jaguars All Access tonight at 7 o'clock on Fox 30.